0: The downside of handing it over to a full outsourced service is you don't get educated in that process.
1: We are Michael Veazey in London, England. And Jason Miles in Seattle, Washington. More importantly, you are the owner of a thriving online business and you want to become the best e-commerce leader you can be. We're here to get you there. For show notes with links and resources mentioned today, and for other GC resources like downloads, just visit our blog, TheEcommerceLeader.com. Today's sponsor is Eva, the best Amazon stock management tool. How much has going out of stock cost you over the lifetime of your business? And what is it going to cost you this Q4? EVA predicts precisely what stock you need. It learns from your account and it improves constantly. EVA serves hundreds of private label seven-figure sellers. To get a 15-day free trial, go to amazingfba.com forward slash EVA. That's amazingfba.com forward slash EVA. Should you hire an Amazon ad agency? That's the question we're going to talk about today. Obviously, a lot of people are very fed up with Amazon management because it's very time consuming, particularly when things go wrong and they really want their ad spend to be down. So that's the reasons why people do it. Lots of reasons, but those are the principal ones, make better money and better use of your time. However, a lot of the time, my clients certainly recently have been experimenting with hiring Amazon ad agencies in particular, and they're often disappointed. So the question we're going to look at today is, should you hire somebody and if so, how are you going to figure that out? We've got a few questions you can go through and ask your agency as well.
0: This is such a great topic, Michael. The challenges here are many. There's like three or four or five layers we have to unpack here to really answer this question thoroughly. And because it's not so obvious what the right answer is. And so I'm really excited about this topic. I know there's a lot here to unpack together. So let's jump into it. What What do you want to lead off with?
1: Well, I think the first question I was asked is simply, what's your motivation? Classic question that film directors ask their actors everywhere, right? And I think it's important to ask yourself that as a an operator who wants to outsource stuff. Sometimes outsourcing can be a really great thing to do. But I think sometimes it just feels so hard and you're not sure how to crack the nut yourself. And mm. just as in other things, like a, a reason to get a business partner is not because you haven't got a skill set necessarily. You can hire that. This is a bit different. This is another one where people make a mistake and go. I haven't got the skill set. I'm going to hire somebody who's got it. And then that pain is removed from my business. And I don't think in my experience, it works that way. If you, for starters, don't know anything about Amazon management, it's really quite hard to judge whether somebody you're hiring is any good. First of all, you can't judge very easily whether they're any good. And secondly, you can't really judge their results while you're working Mm -hmm. with them as well. So I think this is the first thing, you know, are you Mm -hmm. doing it for business-like reasons or are you just trying to get rid of pain?
0: Yeah, I, li- I like this a lot. So to use that framework, then what's your motivation? I would say there's actually three core drivers of common motivation that I see. One is as you kind of package it, the, the, the knowledge, like you're looking, you don't like, you don't have knowledge about, let's just, call, let's just focus on the Amazon advertising side of things for a moment. You don't have knowledge of how to do it. So you're sitting there thinking, I either ha- I have to get the knowledge myself or I need to find somebody who has the knowledge, you know, the Dan Sullivan's strategic coach question is, you know, who, not how. So, so knowledge is one bit of motivation. The second motivation can just be straight up greed or not greed, but you know what I mean? Like profit motivation but to be generous, but we want to optimize for profit. And we think there's somebody who can do that better than we can. And so you're like, man, you know, maybe, I'm. Maybe I'm making $50,000 a month on on Amazon, but sure sounds like a hundred thousand would be a lot better. And so you're just focused on like, how do you, you know, engineer top line growth? The third motivation that could be core to the thinking here is time uh, motivation. Like you literally, you know what you're doing on Amazon advertising, but you don't have time to do it on top of running the business, creating the products, managing the team, supply chain drama, you know, blah, blah, blah. So you you don't have time, and you're thinking to yourself, I could hire somebody that just runs my Amazon ads and keeps them all on on track, and that will be that would be a huge you know help to me. So I think those three are sort of how I look at it: it's skill set, it's money, or time that you're trying to get after. You know, in terms of you know hiring somebody to help you this stuff. Does that make sense? Or are there others along those lines or what do you think?
1: I think, I think there's a really extremely clear points. So I mean, knowledge, profit and, and time are what we're hoping to gain or get time back. I think there's, by the way, the, the idea of doing it yourself or having somebody else do it for you, an agency model, I think there is a middle ground, which doesn't get explored and it surprises me, which is simply this, it's a done with you. In other words, you mm. don't know how to manage ads, but you do know how to hire VAs in the Philippines for, I don't know, $5 an hour, whatever it is, $10 if they have some prepackaged skills. And mm-hmm. you're quite good at that. And particularly if you've got an existing business, you've probably got existing staff at some point or have had that experience. In which case, what you need is the structure to plug people into. In other words, what you really need is the SOPs that a good agency would use. In my Okay, opinion.
0: So, so you just tipped off a framework that's important to mention, which is DIY, do it yourself, mm. or there's done with you. Yeah, find somebody to do with you like what you yeah. just described, and then there's done done for you. Exactly. Which is you just have somebody do the whole thing. You don't even hey. know how to do it, and they do it exactly for you, like an agency level. Those yeah. are three layers that you do want to think through w- when you're thinking about making these choices. I have opinions about those three, and I do think that's a fundamental underlying question about you know kind of how how you want to get through this. One of those three things. What what are your thoughts on like if you had to rank order those three? Is it specific to the operator, whether it's one's versus better versus the other, or what do you think?
1: That's a really good question. Here's what I think in general, what doesn't get done and therefore worth exploring is the done with you idea. So a lot of people mm-hmm. do their Amazon ads themselves and they get to a pain points where it's taking a lot of, you know, to your point, they don't feel they have the knowledge, they haven't got the time and they're not making a profit. Now, okay. The first question I have, if you're not making a profit is a lot of things around the market you've chosen to go into the product differentiation, the marketing None of which is going to be fixed by ads. Um, right. so sending traffic to a page that doesn't convert is just going to send more traffic that costs you more money. So, you know, that's not necessarily solving the right problem. So that's one thing. Well, it's kind of related I, to DIY slightly different I, question, I guess. I didn't say profit per se. I, I said top line sales, but you, I take your point. Yeah. I mean, it's all all two different big, things,
0: yeah. right? Yeah. If you, if you, if you're the avarice is going from 50,000 a month to a hundred thousand a month in top line sales, the underlying yeah. assumption is there's some pony underneath all that poo you know it's Warren Buffett <laughs> there's like there's you know there's uh there's there's a uh, gold in the, their hills yeah. and you're making a profit somehow through that 50,000 and also the 100,000 you know
1: the underlying assumption should be that I agree but that often isn't so I think the first thing right. is people leap yeah. from di on the here's this is interesting discussion because it's slightly messy but this is exactly how it works in real life people yeah. go DIY, they're not making a profit or they're not making the sales they want. I mean, if they're intelligent operators, they actually know what their profit is. It's surprisingly hard to do and figure it out. Yeah. And we've talked about that multiple times, but then they often leap to done for you because they feel like, I don't have the knowledge, I don't have the time, I'm not making the profit, somebody else must have the solution and they kind of hand over. I agree you know, the, the responsibility really. So as they say, delegate, don't abdicate. And I think you have to take responsibility for the overall structure of your business. And and has it got any chance of making a profit regardless of what you do with the ads or indeed the Amazon operation, you know? And the downside
0: of the handing it over to a full outsourced service is you don't get educated in that process. And that's why, to your point, the done with you is more like join a coaching program, join a mentorship, Model, get, you know, get somebody who knows what they're doing to teach you or pro tip someone on your team to do the stuff. Because if you build in house capacity, in my view, that's infinitely smarter than just being on this merry go round of ad agency number one. How is it? How are they going to perform? Oh, they stink. Where's ad agency number two? Okay. We found them. Okay. How do they perform? Oh, they stink. Now we're on to ad agency number three, their whole process, you're barely learning anything about the underlying technical trade skill of managing ads. All you're learning about is how to vet and find ad agencies, which is a different skill set. So to me, the done with you model does make a lot of sense because you do want to harvest education and insights and perspective as you work with people so that you get better over time. You know, you, you build that capacity, that muscle in your own core system. Now. You know, if you find a perfect ad agency and they're like, we we love working with you and for you and we'll show you everything you want, but we'll just also do it and we're crushing it and you're making a lot of money, then of course, that's like nirvana. And you're like, okay, I'm in, I'm in ad agency heaven right now and don't change anything. <laughs> don't quit them. Pray that they don't get hit by a bus. Just let it roll. But that's so uncommon, man. It's just it's
1: very, very rare to find that level of happiness with these types of situations. It's unusual. I mean, to be fair, to be not too extra bearish on it, I think that there are agencies who will have a, a mixture of done with you, either they consult with you and they'll show you their process and they just get it done for you. And that isn't really a threat to them because it is a pain to implement anything and fire hiring and managing and firing stuff we've discussed in, in great detail before. And it is a huge amount of work, right? As we both know. And look, you and I've said before, i don't to put words in your mouth, but I certainly I would say I'm not the greatest manager. I'm not terrible. I work at it, but I've kind of personally come up to about a C plus level of management, from being like an E where A is great and E is terrible. So... You know other people may be better at implementation, but at least if they work with you and you see their process, then if you need to implement yourself because, as you say, if they turn out to not be very good, then at least you know how it should be structured so there there can be a halfway house there between you know done for you and done with you that yeah, yeah, so Here's really the, the- next yeah, no, go ahead. Keep going. Uh, keep going. In your, you got a little bit. I was going to say, well, so the extra question that comes out of that is a simple one. She raised an excellent point. Will the agency help educate you and how their process works in detail? Mm-hmm. The other question that is extremely basic, but people kind of seem to ignore to a level that surprises me, given the sophistication of some of the operators we have in the Ten K Collective, for example, is: Do you make enough gross profit to cover the extra overhead? Like, even if you're just getting I mean, nearly all agencies that do full management will charge a fee plus a percentage of revenue. Most ad agencies will do that. I would say, by the way, another question is, (laughs) is the agency offering a fixed fee or a percentage? Obviously, a fixed fee, I think, is better because you're not kind of getting penalized for them, you know, getting your better profits and then they take half of it. But that's a different question, which is also important. But the most basic thing is if they say charge you $1,000 a month, which I think for a smaller account, our sponsor Eva will do, for example, which I think is actually pretty good and most people take a percentage. Okay, fine. But is your account big enough that you can even cover $1,000 a month and still make a profit? Because quite a lot of people don't do that math. And it turns out, no, you will actually give 100% of your profit away if you employ this agency, even if they don't change anything much. So I want to, yeah, I want to
0: ask the question behind the, the, the preceding question mm. to what you just described, which is, are your ads themselves even profitable? Like any profit at all? And it's important to understand where you're at in the process of like this working or not. And then what an agency may or may not be able to help you with. And this is really, I know this sounds basic to think about, but think about it this way. You've either got ads that are, let's just put them in three buckets with little nuance. The one bucket is you're wasting money like there's no tomorrow, just you're lighting money on fire. It is not working at all. You're dumping, let's just pick a number, $100, whatever, a day or a week, a month, whatever, doesn't matter. You're sliding it on fire. The middle ground is you're spending money, but you're not making, you know, break even. The third bucket is you're making a positive you know, a a good ROI, return on ad spender, you know, however the framework is you want to use, but it's working. Just say it's working. It's definitely working. Now imagine those three scenarios are existent without an agency involved. Okay. But so then you add an agency. If you put an agency into bucket number one, where you're lighting money on fire, you can expect them to light money on fire for you. But if you expect them to get it sorted out from you know, a total dumpster fire of waste to just totally crushing it, is that really realistic? Because they're going to be testing whether your thing is even a viable ad, you know, an advertised item and you have to give them the grace to prove that thesis. It could be a yes, it could be a no, but to assume that it's always going to go from dumpster fire to like, you know, rainbows and puppies and splendor and beautiful profits just super unrealistic. And so I think that's a really important consideration is, you know, the scenario in which you're entering into the ad agency relationship. And, and if you, for example, just to finish this thought, hand an ad agency a really well working, you know, system where you're like, man, we're, we're making five times return on ad spend. We, we spend a dollar and make five dollars. And, and I don't even know what I'm doing. And if I find an ad agency that's really smart at this stuff and hand it off to them, man, I could go to, to tend to, you know, tend to one row as, you know, spend a dollar and make $10 back. And then of course you assume that they will do better than you did. But to be completely candid, I've seen scenarios where people hat at, handed their account to the guru and they totally turned it into a dumpster fire. So you know, th- this is not like this is a simple process you have. You, there's a multivariate outcomes here. You really can go from really succeeding to dumpster fire by introducing an ad agency. And you really can go from dumpster fire to really succeeding. So anyway, long diatribe there. But I think it's important to think through that layer of, of uh, potential outcome
1: yeah so let let me just unpick that slightly so the last point you made is true i mean it can go from terrible to wonderful and and the other way around more common as exactly as you said is that if you give somebody an inefficient account to manage they'll just amplify the inefficiency so if you outsource if you're literal minded and you outsource amazon ads expect more of the same is maybe the conclusion whereas what i would say is you really need to diagnose what's the problem behind the problem or is there one because if you're not making profit the chances are you're in an overly competitive niche, in which case you might want to tweak or niche down or various things you can do there. Mm. Your product isn't differentiated, in which case you've got a long, hard slog and some hard money to spend. If you're doing physical products, digital mm. products, you got some work to do, but maybe less time in the overall process of money. And then your, your marketing might suck and none of which is going to be sold by the ads, as we said. So I think it's a question of really making sure you, you are looking at the right problem that it is actually the ads in the first place.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah totally agree this is a central central to the idea of doing this
1: is answering that fundamental you know question yeah there's really and again this might be another reason why you want to bring in a consultant who can look at if They're their inexperienced and honest ads consultant they're getting paid by the hour rather than taking percentage of your revenue they're more likely to say to be quite honest your advertising account looks okay but the the, the listings are subpar or something like that and actually that's really important to diagnose accurately. The th- the third question that comes up a great deal in the last year, particularly because ads on Amazon have particularly shot up as a percentage of sales and Amazon is milking the cow or has been for the last year and a half. We're talking in sort of late 2022. So things may shift again as the economy shifts, but the advertising to sales ratio that you're aiming at, in other words, you spend, you know, on a given product line, say a thousand dollars a month in ads and you get $10,000 in sales, your advertising to sales ratio is 10%, right? So A typical ratio that people have aimed at on Amazon has been 10%, sometimes up to 15%, but these days, the average has really just gone up over time, over the last year, I would say. So it may be that if you're aiming for 10% because historically that's what you got and your agency is only delivering 15%, well, that may actually be the best you're going to get. So that's really a basic, simple question, but which you should educate yourself about. And again, a a perfect Mm -hmm. place to do that without being self-serving is a mastermind. We can just get around the table and say, what's your advertising to sales ratio? And it varies a lot, but if people are in the similar category, you can get a rough sense and, you know, digging around the Facebook forums, if you want as well, of where that's at and get get a good sensible benchmark before you go criticizing them for actually achieving what's now the standard.
0: Yeah. I think that's really important. It's real. It's like what's realistic you know, be realistic with these people. It's not nice to superimpose unrealistic goals on otherwise nice people who, you you know, you could have a nice time with and do good work with, but
1: your own mindset is screwing it up. That's really a stupid place to be, you know. That is definitely true. And your mindset can screw things up. I would say this is a more sort of concrete thing in the sense that the number you have in your head was a valid benchmark a year ago and it now isn't. And sure. and by the time you listen to this, it might be 20%, in which case your entire business model may be broken because yeah. the, the Amazon platform has changed its nature, just as people could get clicks on Facebook for 50 yeah. cents, you know, three yeah. years ago that now cost them $5 and you have to have a different business model to cope in that environment. All of which is to say, have you got a realistic advertising to sales ratio goal? So now you've got an yeah. extra question here that you bring up, which I think is really interesting.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think another super fundamental, just the first principles question that you need to ask yourself when you're pondering whether to use an agency or not is, is, I'm focused on ad agency in particular, but it could be true for just account management in the Amazon ecosystem. And that the, the question is, what's the fundamental risk you're taking? And I think it's really important to understand where you're at in the competitive marketplace and then to introduce a, a manager of your accounts or your advertising into the scenario, what what is the risk there? And, you know, we can, we can put it in sort of a, a couple different layers. Let's say, for example, just as an, ex- you know, a, a fun little scenario that you've got a new product and you're, you're not ranking, you're not the bestseller in your, in your subcategory. Let's say you're 10th and you want to be first, but you've got money to blow and you, you know, you're, you're excited about this product. Maybe, you know, this is, maybe this is your, your primary product and you've never been on Amazon before. You have no Amazon sales velocity. You're just new to the market, but maybe you're not a, a newbie veteran, a, a newbie business operator. You're just, you're just new to Amazon. So you've got no velocity, no track record on Amazon, no, you know, seller reviews, product reviews, what, whatever. Then the question is, what's the risk in that scenario? The only thing you're risking is your money and your time. You're not risking your account health or, you know, anything of consequence on the Amazon side of the ledger. Now, contrast that to a seller that's doing, let's say, $100,000 a month in uh, sales velocity and has a, a collection, a suite of products that are all, you know, number one or two in their subcategories. That seller has a huge, huge thing to risk by introducing an account manager or an ad agency, which is they could literally have their account suspended or they could have those, you know, number one, number two slot BSR products just totally tank. They they are in a really, really different spot than, than the, the person who has nothing to lose on the Amazon side of the ledger. And I think that's really important to think about. So in a way, it, I think what happens in real life is the opposite of probably what should happen. And here's what I mean. I think what pro- what most have half- most of the time happens is somebody gets fifty or hundred thousand dollars a month in sales velocity going to Amazon and they're like, Man, I want more. I want to go for the gusto. I'm gonna bring in big big shooter Bobby, account management man, to or you know, admin, cause look at all his website reviews and all the people who say he's awesome. Um and I'm gonna I'm gonna roll the dice with this new guy. And I've seen in this where people's accounts got cratered. That happens more common than somebody coming in saying, "I don't have anything happening on amazon and i'm and I'm not making a penny, but i'm going to double down you know it's it's rarer to see this, but I think in a lot of ways it's it's more logical for that person that newbie to Amazon doesn't have anything to lose. Those person should be rolling the dice. You know somebody who has tried and true system, in my view as Warren Buffett wisely said, these people risk what they do need in pursuit of what they don't need. And that is foolish. And if you risk what you do need in pursuit of what you don't need, you're just, you're, you're risking way too much in my view. So anyway, just a thought on that. What are your thoughts on just the fundamentals of the risk involved? This yeah. I,
1: I like that, the, as you say, it's a great basic principle, which is under to put it it's it's not put into calculations well and the reason for that to be fair i guess is that you're dealing with trying to assess probability almost on a mathematical level and that's hard to do i mean it's even statisticians mm-hmm. don't do that it might happen somebody in my family happens to be a member of the Royal Society of Statisticians and you know it's complicated <laughs> so what I would say is this you've got to use some common sense and when I would say if yeah. you recognize the level of risk that you, you are looking at, in other words, what you have is precious and should be protected. So number two, one, and two rankings, a hundred thousand dollars a month or whatever it is, Amazon account that needs to stay, you know, as open as a sales channel, then what that implies to me is you have to do really serious due diligence on, on the people that you're handing, you know, something important in your account over, particularly if you're handing the whole account over. I have to say the account, the scenario where somebody hand us out, hand us over entire account management for a whole account when they're at that level is unusual have seen somebody Mm. explore doing it in the mastermind recently on the advice of a you know somebody i respected won't name them because i'm about to say but i said to him why would you do that one of the strokes you have is you're really really good at this so why would you hand over an account amazon Mm. amazon account management when you do? what did they say what was the well 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 i i i think i don't really remember getting any kind of clear answer about that except that this guy said it would be a good idea and we could focus on brand building and i thought well there's there's validity in that except mm-hmm. but i put with knowing these people really well this guy's been in the mastermind like five four years now i've known him really well and i said well but you're really meticulous about a lot of your mm-hmm. amazon management processes and he's got a background in business intelligence the guy created grass for 20 years about business mm-hmm you know, data, he's good at data. And and they also got a, 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 he's got a partner who's good at production. So they kind of got both. And so I said, I don't think the business case for outsourcing that. And actually it didn't need to do any complicated calculation because the agency fee was something like $30,000 a month. And it was just a hundred percent of his EBITDA. So it was just a pointless exercise. But it did strike me. Let me propose
0: a underlying thesis there for why that person would pursue that idea. And because I've had clients that I've had this exact same conversation with it's really interesting to me and i think the underlying psychology there is they discredit their skill and they they are not as clear on their level of skill as an outside objective person would be and they overestimate the skill of the ad agency individuals or teams compared to their own skills and it's really interesting because because as it happens actually a lot of veteran operators in specific trade skills get very very good at marketing their product and that's the the key to think through is can this ad agency market my product to my core customer in a way that is better than i can do it or my team could do it or i could train a va to do it and i think people underestimate their own skills and overestimate the skills of others in the pursuit of whatever, more time, more money, more, you know, whatever it is, you know, whatever it might be skill set. So I, I think that's a fundamental psychological hurdle people get over uh, or, or get stuck into that leads them to that line of thinking. And then they'll rationalize it with logic. Like, oh, well, it, they won't say to you, I, I'm really insecure about my own skill set because that's touchy feely stuff. But they'll yeah. have that actually be the underlying thing. And then they'll say, well, I can, for these five reasons, I'm going to make this change. like, okay. Anyway, I I think that's a really interesting dynamic
1: that happens with us as operators over time. I really agree with that. I've seen that a lot. Like this guy, I mean, honestly, like recently somebody approached me to see about doing account management for them. I might do it. It's not something I'm keen on doing, but he's a great guy and there's a lot of strengths to to his operation, which I won't go into now. But one of the immediate thoughts I had is like, who can I get to do this? Exactly the thing I was saying. I don't want to outsource bits if he's outsourcing to me, that gets messy. I want to keep it in house. But on the other hand, I thought I want some great processes to create SAPs around. I don't want second. I don't want to do a second rate job if I'm going to do it at all. And the mm-hmm. first person I thought of was this guy I'm talking about in the mastermind, because I thought, well, actually, I, I trust him. I know him. He's keen. He's still kind of got stars in his eyes about the Amazon thing. He's done very well. And he's got really great processes that work. And I, and he's one of the people that's trying to outsource, ironically. So you you are absolutely right. I can think of one particular person. The other Mm -hmm. thing I would say is you make an exceptionally important point that I don't want that we shouldn't gloss over. Just because somebody's good at marketing generally doesn't mean they can market your product with a level of passion and understanding of the market that you probably have, which is probably why, if it's working at all, you probably went into a market in the first place that you either understood to start with or you understand right. now from years of experience. And those right. nuances matter in terms of differentiation and brand. And so you're right, it's, it can be outsourced. Some people I know are great operators and very good at cash flow management and, and numbers, but they their marketing was terrible when they came to the mastermind and it's now quite good, but not amazing. And a couple of them are just not even there yet. And I would just literally say, I think you should hire a branding agency, maybe also the ads, but the branding would be the first thing I'd get managed, actually. So, yeah, mm-hmm. you, you make very good points. But can they yeah. sell your product better than you can is an excellent question.
0: Yeah, I think like question sort of, yeah, no, I think sort of there's a set of solutions here that are, will emerge if you just sort of read between the lines of what we're all saying. and I'll, So I'll just articulate the set of solutions and some some, I think, good ideas that will come out of these sort of concerns or, 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 or fear-mongering over this topic, hopefully we're not doing that. But let me just say a few things that I think are, are logical. That is, um, you should test your way into such adventures with people. Always hand people the smallest component of whatever you can hand them. I don't, you know, I wouldn't turn over the keys to the whole house. Maybe give them the broom closet, you know, give them, give them a bit or a, a, a you know, a, a sub something within your account to work on to prove themselves if and whenever possible. So compartmentalize and hand them a small amount, let them demonstrate stewardship, and then turn over more. I think is a really logical thing to consider. The second thing I would say is building in-house capacity over time is the grown-up way to do this stuff. I mean, and and I've worked in billion-dollar organizations, actually, that still had out that had agencies that, that did specific technical things, but had huge in-house capacity. And that, so that in-house capacity component of it is what you're thinking about. What part of this makes most sense in my operation? My 100% full-time employee, whether it's a VA, you know, abroad or whether it's a W2 employee that works right there with you, you know, how much of it is in-house is, I think, a key consideration. And as much as you can lock down with success, And bring it in house profitably, the better off you're going to be. Yes, you have to manage, but overall you're going to have a much more solid system than if you're, you know, outsourcing stuff to agencies and they get bought out or get hit by a bus or, you know, they change industries on you or, you know, or they get a new account rep for your account who happens to be, you know, clueless. You know, the, these are all common scenarios. So, anyway, I think those are a few, just a couple tips for how to navigate this. Or Michael, if you have any other thoughts about how to proactively get at this in a, you know kind of a productive way?
1: Yeah, I mean, I guess one thing where we are in danger we pointed to a lot of the risks and problems, and I I think it's good to have a realistic conversation. I'm reflecting, as I often do, really the experiences that I've, I've accumulated over the last you know couple of years of observing what's happening with serious e-commerce operators, not just in my business and not just in one other person's either. Having said that, there is a, a powerful argument in favor of outsourcing or getting stuff off Mm -hmm. your plate and delegating, which isn't quite the same thing. To your point, Mm -hmm. testing your way into things is the way to square that circle, isn't it? If you have a thesis, Mm -hmm. you should test it in a way that isn't gonna blow your business up on whether you think product X is gonna be the next big product. The other thing I would say about building in-house capacity is this, that you may not have the capacity to build a capacity. What I mean is if you are busy operating your business, and to some extent, you're one of the people that makes the thing run, then you aren't necessarily in a position to do the higher level work at at a scale where you can manage everything in-house, you know? So eventually people get in-house photographers, in-house art teams. Most of us don't have that. So I think there is a a point in development where an agency can make sense on paper without denying the fact that you're absolutely right over time. And if you get big enough that the in-house capacity is something you want ultimately. I just think there is a place for an agency on the way up towards that. If, if it makes sense for you. uh,
0: Yeah, I totally agree. But, but there are operators that actually have in-house photography and those elements do. I mean, it's a growth process. I mean, over time, you just have to figure out what you can add. And sometimes it's serendipitous. You know, it's like, oh, I hired a social media helper and she's also awesome at photography. So there you go. Now we do in-house photography, stuff like that. I think another tip for making this work is always, always, always don't hire an agency on just the back of their promo materials. Or their sales page, landing page. Ideally, you're getting a referral from somebody you trust, you know like and trust. Like, hey, you know, I know this person and I'm asking them who they use and they love who they use because who they use is really, really working well for them. And they wouldn't be lying to me. They wouldn't be, this isn't a clip from their conference or people are on a sugar rush and make a little testimonial blurb and now it's on their website. This is an authentic, real referral from somebody I know. Who uses this person? I think that that level of vetting is really, there's a lot of wisdom there. The only way you get that to happen is to be a part of a small group mastermind where you're working with veteran operators, like Michael, you know, and your, you know, your mastermind there in London. I'd imagine there's a lot of that that happens around the table, like, hey, who do you use for this? Amount.
1: What? You- yeah, a lot of it yeah. is around that. And the Facebook group is actually. Kind of quite active, not with sort of random discussions, but that's one of the things that people just, I I often say, look, we haven't got much time to get into this now, but can I just ask those people who said that they have a great, you know, whatever it is, Amazon account management guy, Mm -hmm. a great accountant, great lawyers for intellectual property, those things that typically come up, just pop the details in the Facebook group and we only share it within the group. And those are really valuable. You're Absolutely. Right. I mean, a tried and tested recommendation is worth, you know. Uh, burning a hands worth in the bush, as they say, is worth ten times more. Just yeah. one tiny point, kind of in favour of of Amazon agencies out there. I mean, the our sponsor Eva does actually offer Amazon ads management. So, <laughs> having been really read about it all, I would expect everyone to put them through the same sort of you know diligence that we're suggesting. Mm-hmm. um But there are a couple of members of the mastermind now who are using them or have used them. So yeah. you could probably get an honest kind of refer to that if you. Want to get in touch with me if that's something you're considering. Hey, folks, thanks for listening to another episode of The E-Commerce Leader. We've racked up quite a lot over the years now, and I hope that you find this one helpful because it's certainly a live topic amongst Amazon sellers. I know this is not an abstract question. It's a very real question that keeps coming up with smart people. So should you hire an Amazon agency? The basic questions we've suggested you might want to ask are do you have the right motivation? And will the agency help educate you about the process, or are you going to lose that IP, as it were, that, that knowledge? Do you make enough gross profit to cover the extra overhead? Are your ads at all profitable to begin with, as Jason, C- Jason pointed out? What's the risk? What could go wrong? How do you assess that? Really important. And are you hiring an agency just on the back of their advertising rather than having really got referrals from trusted colleagues and friends? And as Jason Mild mentioned kindly, but I think accurately, someone like a mastermind or a sort of peer group of some kind is the place where you can really get sort of frank unbiased opinions i mean even my opinion we've got to be honest is obviously biased because one of our sponsors or or the main sponsor for the e-commerce leader is eva and eva is for automated pricing stock management and profit and loss management as their main focus but they do also run an advertising agency and indeed an amazon account management agency and you supply the same rigor to considering hiring them as you would anyone else but if that is something you want to check out i would just say that the mastermind members a couple of the mastermind members and the amazing FBA. Masterminds called the 10k collective mastermind have been using EVA recently for just that for their advertising management. So, if you wanted to get a referral to somebody that you know and trust, I have to do it privately for for reasons of privacy. I'm not going to give names out on the internet. Get in touch with me, just Michael, M I C H A E L, at amazingfba.com or just go to amazingfba.com and uh, contact me there. Um, If you think that Eva could be a solution for you and you can get a free PPC audit from them, that's definitely worth having because talking of risk and rewards, a free anything is is no risk really, isn't it? A bit of time. But they do a very, very thorough job of an audit. There are other people out there, so go check them out as well. They're people that I think are good value and know their stuff. They're smart people. But don't take my word for it. Go and get the audit. And if you want to get a, a referral from somebody that I know and trust, at least if you trust me to do that, we can set that up for you. The other thing to say, of course, is if you want to check out 10K Collective Mastermind itself, if you live in the UK or Europe and can get to London at least you know, a few times a year, we run meetings at present, six times a year, physical meetings in London. In between, we do Zoom meetings and we bring in experts on the Zoom meetings as well. We're going to be ramping things up from 2023 in terms of what we offer. But for the moment, the core of it is that trusted peer network of people that you can talk to without any axe to grind without anything except their honest experience of uh, amazon operating is amazon focused although people in the group do sell on other platforms of course including their own direct consumer sites some of which is shopify some wordpress if you want to be part of something like that, the theamazonmastermind.com is the place to go. If you want to check out what Jason and Kyle do for their clients, which is really a sort of all-encompassing thing that covers Amazon and direct-to-consumer sites, then go to omnirockets.com. That's O-M for Mother, N for November, I, omnirocket.com. Thanks very much for listening. Don't forget to subscribe to the show as well on whatever podcast player you use and keep listening. Keep talking about this topic next show because it's a really important one for the moment. Thanks so much for listening to The E-Commerce Leader. That was The E-Commerce Leader podcast with Michael Veazey in London, England. And Jason Miles in Seattle, Washington. If you liked this content, don't forget to subscribe to the show on your podcast app. For free resources, including PDFs and videos on topics like traffic, products and sales channels, just go to www.TheEcommerceLeader.com. No hyphens, just as it sounds. Thanks so much for listening.